lot is happening with the Chicago Bears right now. You have some crazy stuff with Roquan Smith. No one really knows what's going on there outside of all the people jumping to conclusions. We've got a divide amongst the fan base regarding what's going on with Robert Quinn. We've got Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields hanging out at Alice Hall until 1 in the morning. So there's just seemingly so much going on with the Bears right now. But what's up, guys? Welcome into the Fireside Bears podcast brought to you by Empire Sports Media. You know me, the host, Usaid Kosher. You can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Kosher. Follow my friend Sam Stevenson on Twitter as well at Shy Sports Sam. He's back after a two-week hiatus. Check us out on all podcasting platforms. Drop a five-star review as well as a five-star rating. All right, Sam, I know you've been gone for a couple weeks. We're in Cleveland for a lacrosse. The seventh and final Stevenson child graduated high school this past weekend. I'm sure that was an exciting moment for you too. But how you doing today? And I know you're excited to get back into it. Yeah, you said it perfectly. It's it's been a kind of a, a wild roller coaster of events the past two weeks. Um, for those of you who don't follow me on social media or, or keep up to date with things like you said does, um, graduated college, uh, got a chance to compete in the NCAA Division three men's lacrosse tournament. Uh, super cool experience. We didn't win our first game, unfortunately, but uh, still super cool. And uh, I still ended up getting uh, NCAA pennant, which is uh, which is awesome. None of my siblings or friends have one of these, so uh, it's pretty cool. Um, really, really awesome experience, though. Um, uh, and then just kind of getting back into the swing of things a little bit for the summer. I, I've been a little MIA Bears-related content. Uh, I've been viewing but not able to kind of participate as much so i'm happy to be back i'm happy to talk some bears uh i know may's a little bit slow at times with content and stuff but there's still plenty of stuff to talk about um and i'm, I'm excited to be back uh ready to rock and roll with fireside bears here so it's gonna be a great show happy to be back I mean, listen, we're all excited to kind of continue going into the off season, but i think first things first we have to start with some of the most basic of stuff but over the weekend, I think, you know, there was news circulating on Twitter about whether or not the Bears are really looking to trade Robert Quinn. And again, I don't think you can ever read into Jason Lock and Fora's narratives too much. But I think there is a fair question that needs to be asked is that are these rumors legitimate or not? And, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say this is that I don't think these rumors are necessarily super legitimate just because when you kind of look at the different coaching trees in the NFL, you have... Robert Quinn, who played some really good football under Rod Marinelli in Dallas, which was also a 4-3 defensive scheme, the same scheme the Bears are going to run here. And Matt Eberflus kind of learned some of his best work under Rod Marinelli too. So I don't think the Bears would go ahead and necessarily trade Robert Quinn, especially since he's coming off a 19-and-a-half sack season and just reset the franchise record for sacks. But I also think that you have to understand is that Quinn talked about how he doesn't want to be traded. Right. And his desire is to remain with the Bears in 2022 and possibly well beyond. Whereas this other source is kind of talking about how, oh, yeah, Robert Quinn is going to be traded and the Bears are shopping Robert Quinn. So I think it's two totally different things there. But I just don't buy that the Bears are going to trade Robert Quinn. Yeah. It, I think if we're going to talk about the speculation of it, like, does it make sense for the Bears? Sure. I think you could go both ways. I, I think there's an argument for and against it. Um, I think when you talk about the Bears, how they built this roster, you know, you got to compare Ryan Pace to Ryan Poles. When when you signed Quinn a few years back, you were still trying to compete in the very narrow window that you had, or you at least believed that you still had with Mitch Trubisky, Matt Nagy, and that kind of roster that they built. Um, when you traded Khalil Mack this offseason, you changed the narrative to, okay, we're not in that position anymore. 
we got to really just reset the bar and, and kind of start over, start fresh with kind of the young talent we have and, and go from there. And, and I think a lot of people speculated, okay, so Quinn's going to be the next name to go. And, and he wasn't. And, and I think that surprised a lot of people, but it's a win-win narrative because if you trade Robert Quinn, you're obviously loading up on draft picks, draft capital that you desperately need, especially for 2023 and beyond. Um, but on the other hand, it's nice to have that veteran presence on the defense. I mean, Again, you're talking about a defense that no longer has Khalil Mack, no longer has, uh, probably won't have Akeem Hicks, uh, a couple other names there as well. Um, it's nice to have kind of that presence, someone with a little bit of continuity, especially with a new defense that's going to be run by a new head coach, new defensive coordinator, et cetera. Like I mentioned earlier, you're resetting the kind of the bar here and resetting the team. Um, again, this is all just me speculating a potential Robert Quinn trade. Ryan Poole's made it very clear in a press conference a while ago. So far, Robert Quinn is a part of their plan right now. Um, that is a narrative that you could probably look into and overanalyze and say, well, he said for right now, does that mean that there's a future where Robert Quinn's no longer on the roster? Absolutely. But but I agree with you 100%. I think he is going to start the season in Chicago. I think he's happier in Chicago. I mean, he's getting paid a lot of money to do what he does, so I don't think any guy would be upset about that. Um, but I absolutely agree with you, said I, I think this is all just kind of speculation at this point. Yeah, I, I think, you know, and again, people want to talk all the time about, well, what compensation are you going to get for so-and-so player? And I would say this, it's almost hard to envision the Bears getting any sort of, the easiest way to term this would be just a compensation friendly deal for the bears and what i mean by that is quinn's on the books for around 15 million dollars going into 2022 and so i think naturally the issues just come down to the fact that you know like how much draft capital you can get for him like ryan poles pretty much went ahead and dumped khalil mack for a second round pick and two seventh round picks right but i also think that part of what played into khalil mack's trade value was just the fact that he was injured in 19 20 and 21 now i do think that when you look at robert quinn you know you're not going to get a second round pick for him just because quinn's about three or four years older than khalil mack is anyway but i think that if you can come away with at least an early day three pick so you're talking a fourth rounder possibly even a fifth rounder you're good to go there but then again that also kind of really gets offset by one thing and one thing only, which is the fact that it doesn't make sense for the Bears to do that because getting a high day three pick means you probably are eating most of his salary. And I don't think for the Bears, it's just smart to dump even more dead money onto the books for this year because you've already got players like a Danny Trevathan, a Nick Foles, and Eddie Goldman, for example, that are kind of all on the books for this year. And so it's just, it doesn't make sense to continue paying a player to produce for another team and then get one or two draft picks in return. I think that what would be more beneficial is that the Bears go ahead and they keep Robert Coin for the rest of 2022, knowing that this season's basically a wash and then what you go ahead and do is you trade whatever you can you just keep it on the roster and next offseason you kind of make a swap and say you know what let's just make an kind of trade like this where 
we're basically trading Robert Quinn for $15 million. And what I mean by that more so is that releasing a player sometimes also counts as a form of trade. So just free up that cap space next offseason when you know you're going to need it more. Yeah, I think there's a lot um, that I would tend to agree with you on that. Again, the Bears are just in a weird cap space situation. So moving Quinn's contract um, just kind of adds to that situation. I mean, it's it's an absolute mess, the dead cap situation. Um, the one thing I will say, though, is as the Bears and now the other NFL teams approach the trade deadline, I do definitely think that a Robert Quinn trade could be considered at that point, especially if he's any way productive as he was this past season. I look to the AFC right now, the, the absolute flock of players that have moved to the AFC and I know for certain that there's going to be teams that are going to be desperately in need of pass rushing support, uh, especially as teams start to prepare for the playoffs and start loading up. Um, you know, I, I, I always kind of look to a team like Kansas City. I think the connection's there, especially in that division now with the quarterback situation that's going on there. I, I think um, AFC North is another team to monitor. I, I'm not going to try to go into all the specifics of that. The point that I'm trying to say is, is that if the Bears end up getting a solid offer as the season goes on and teams start beginning desperate for pass rushing help. Robert Quinn's contract is pretty decent in terms of what the cap hit is. It's money that the bears can move and potentially get more cap space in 2023. If you're willing to bite the bullet in 2022, the bears do have some money to work with right now. It's definitely something to consider overall though. I don't see Quinn being moved in the next like three to five months though. I think he's going to start the season in Chicago. I definitely see a possible narrative where he spends the entire season in Chicago. And then you look to 2023 and say, okay, what do teams, you know, do teams want him now? Is he something, someone that we consider a piece in the long haul? Um, You know, he is on the older side of 30, I think, but again, you can't deny that his 2021 season with nothing short, but an incredible comeback from where he was in 2020. So I'm I'm of the opinion we'll wait and see, but again, I think the trade rumors are exactly that. I think they're trade rumors going back to kind of what we were originally talking about. So let me ask you this follow-up question because you mentioned possibly trading Robert Quinn in 2023. I mean, if you're an NFL GM right now, are you legitimately looking at a guy that's 34, 35 years old and saying, hey, that's somebody that we believe can still be productive on our team for a $15 million cap hit? Or is it something where you're looking and saying it's more so just a trade you try and make and facilitate because a team believes that Quinn's a player that can be a good rotational piece and be kind of that final piece that a team's looking for to eventually make a run at a championship? I think it depends. Um, I think a lot of that depends on how the 2022 season goes. If we're talking about a hypothetical 2023 trade, um, you know, an older player, it's hard to justify, you know, what his trade value would be. Again, I think if you're a contender, I think you're looking at the Robert Quinn situation and monitoring it, whether it is this season or next. Um, if you're a team with just young talent at, at on your defense, Robert Quinn might be a nice veteran presence, a guy to rotate on third down, kind of like what you mentioned. So I, I think regardless, uh, to answer your question, I think both is definitely on the table. I think it depends on the team. I think it depends on how he plays in 2022. Again, a lot of hypotheticals, um, but I could see an answer to both uh, in terms of this question. Switching over from the Robert Quinn trade rumors and whatever that messy saga is, I think it's time to focus on the present, but as well as the future here in Chicago, which is a lot of what we're doing here at Fireside Bears Facts. I was actually in the city today, and when they say Chicago is the best summer city in the world, I think when you're going south on Lakeshore Drive 
And whether you're going north or south, I mean, you're just kind of driving the entire way down there. And let me just say, kind of once you get past North Avenue Beach, certainly does showcase why Chicago is the best summer city in the world, especially when you're in that Hyde Park area, because you can find a nice calming time by the lake a nice calm spot where really there's not much of anything besides traffic also passed by soldier field today and just thought of how it's going to be arlington heights stadium in a couple weeks well a couple years here because the plan has been made supposedly public or the supposed blueprints been made public but talking about both the present and the future sam i think we would be foolish to not discuss the happenings at Hallis Hall with Justin Fields and Darnell Mooney hanging out there till nearly one in the morning. I mean, I think that that's a connection that last season was so unique because we saw Mooney put up a thousand yards with really three different quarterbacks. We saw Justin really develop a chemistry with Darnell Mooney from day one. If you remember Justin's first official home start on that first drive against the Lions in week four, Justin was three for three for 29 yards connected with Mooney all three times. I thought that as the year went on, what you saw more and more was that the wide receiver connections in Chicago became more about fields to Mooney than they did about fields to anybody else. But I think this is a connection that's going to define 2022 for the bears, but really the next couple of years moving forward. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting that you talk about Fields' first kind of quote-unquote official start against the Lions because that's actually something that I wrote down I wanted to talk about a little bit. When we talk about the Fields to Mooney connection, I think something that's very important is uh, something that each player does very well and that the offense needs both these players to do very well in order to be successful um, amidst a lot of other things. So when you watch Donald Mooney, one of the things that he thrives with that I think he just ultimately hasn't been able to showcase off as much due to kind of the inconsistency at quarterback position is his deeper, longer routes uh, in his route tree. Now, you have a second-year quarterback in Justin Fields who is an excellent deep ball. Both Matt Nagy and Matt Eberflus commented on this uh, in both OTAs and training camp that Justin Fields, when he throws it deep, throws it very, very well and very accurate. I would argue that he was probably the most accurate uh quarterback in his draft class when it comes to deep balls uh throwing them so what i'm trying to get here is is that mooney had two three huge kind of gains in that game when fields had enough time to throw the ball deep and maddie refusing discussed it today on tuesday like justin fields when he throws the ball like when he gets when he's able to throw it deep and connect on these longer routes like he's very good at it and i think this matters because the bears are going to run the ball a lot they're going to set up a lot of play action a lot of outside zone schemes this is going to allow for some shots downfield. This is what Justin Fields is going to be able to thrive with a little bit. You combine Justin's Justin Fields' deep ball accuracy with Darnell Mooney's ability to get open deep, there's going to be a lot of potential success there. Fields desperately needs that when it comes to his second-year development. He needs to be able to connect on these deeper routes. So when I talk about the importance of Justin Fields to Darnell Mooney, I'm really glad you brought up that game because there's potential for that to be a consistent thing, not just against the Detroit Lions defense that – wasn't very good in 2021. So I'm really glad you brought that up because I think that's a really important thing to discuss here. If those two are able to continue to build on those strengths in their game combined with another, you know, other offensive elements, that connection could be really, really, really cool. 
Yeah, I would say this in terms of just what's going down with the offense is that, and and look, you know, we'll get into this in just a moment here, but I think that this is such an important connection because let's be honest about something. I mean, the last time I feel like the Bears had a legitimate wide receiver that had significant amount of chemistry with the quarterbacks was let's just call it how it is. It's when the bears traded for Brandon Marshall, I believe going into the 2012 or the 2013 season at the time. I think that that was primarily because Jay Cutler and Brandon Marshall had spent a couple of years together in Denver when both their young careers really took off. But I think that this one matters more than anything because I mean, look, if we're going to be honest about something, it's just the fact that last year we're all sitting here at this time and the hot debates around the Bears revolved around whether or not Justin should be the starter or Andy Dalton should be the starter. And, you know, we saw when the Bears eventually got to training camp about a month and a half down the line is that what happened is the Bears were kind of giving Justin scout team reps, not really giving him reps at all. But then when he did work with the ones, it was very limited. And then you had times where the Miami Dolphins were in town for joint practices. And really that that was something where Justin was getting some playing time, but he wasn't getting a lot. And then Justin had the strong performances in the preseason. And everyone was talking about how, well, it's only preseason. It's second, it's third stringers. But I think that there's still some hope that we saw there. Now, the reason I bring all that up is because last offseason, one of the big issues was chemistry with the quarterback, right? And this offseason, I don't think that that chemistry between quarterback and wide receiver is necessarily going to be a major issue because, again, Justin's going into this year as the unquestioned starter, which I think that necessarily just means that, you know, you have to set a high standard for Justin and Justin set a high standard for himself is that all these players, whether it's Mooney, Equinemius St. Brown, Byron Pringle, Vila Jones Jr. I'll even throw in there that those are players that Justin's going to be expected to have good chemistry with. And I think that the starting and foundational piece for this offense is that Fields to Mooney connection. There's obviously a lot of other foundational pieces, but Fields to Mooney, I think, is one of the ones that we're going to be talking about for the next month and a half. And when training camp rolls around, I think we're going to revisit this again as we evaluate their progress. Yeah, I'm glad you kind of talked about training camp last year. Um, I'm glad you kind of talked about the relationship between those two um, because it was something that I wanted to add Um I, I the really the only thing I wanted to, to kind of chip onto here and, and add on is continuity. Um, when we're comparing the wide receiver room last year to this year, again, you mentioned it perfectly. Fields got basically no reps with the ones. You know, the ones being Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, Marquise Goodwin. I mean, you could maybe even argue Mir Bird was in there every now and then. Um, and then he was kind of thrusted into the quarterback one position, and he was able to kind of pick things up. But it was very clear a lot of the volume went to Darnell Mooney. Now it's 2022. Fields the established quarterback one. Who's still here amidst that group? Who's still standing? Well, it's Darnell Mooney. Justin Fields is learning a whole new offense, working with a new coaching staff, has new receivers at his disposal, right? It's safe to say that the wide receiver room this year is not as talented as the room last year. Obviously, production could be different, but ultimately, 
I think most people would take last year's wide receiver core to this year's wide receiver core. Maybe I'm wrong in that regard. Having some continuity, some consistency, a player that you know, you know how he's going to be able to run his routes, you know how he breaks out of routes, you know how consistent he is with his hands, you know what routes he likes, you know what routes he doesn't like, you, you know where to place the ball for him, you know where to not place the ball for him. And a guy that you can hold accountable because you know that he is your go-to guy, that's going to be so huge for this offense and so important for Justin Fields' development. So, again, continuity is going to be a huge thing for the Bears, especially, you know, kind of looking towards the long haul with hopefully these two players being pieces in this Bears offense long term. Continuity is certainly one thing. You could also go ahead and label it a factor. But I think we also have to ask ourselves here. You know, getting away from the Fields to Mooney connection, Sam, what is one factor that you think can define the Bears offense in 2022? And I'm asking because I recently wrote an article on this for Empire Sports Media, but I think it's just such a critical argument to have because there's so many different factors for what the Bears hope is going to be a well-oiled machine. Something that the Bears struggled with in 2021 that I want to see them perform better with uh, is red zone efficiency. Um, I think this is going to absolutely define the Bears' offense in 2022. The Bears were pretty much dead last in scoring last year, and the easiest place to score um, on the football field is in the red zone. Um, the Bears need to be very, 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 very better in this field uh, in this part of the game. And there's several factors regarding red zone efficiency. Number one, uh, I looked to offensive coordinator Luke Getzky. When you compare Green Bay, the team that he came from, to the Bears' uh, percentage of scoring in the red zone in 2021, Green Bay scored on pretty much, I think the number I pulled up here, I'm not going to read the complete percentage, but it runs up to about 58% of the time. The Packers scored in the red zone around 50% of the time in 2021. The Bears, 48%. It's a pretty significant drop-off. It's about a 10% drop-off. I think Luke Getzky is going to have a lot on his hands and, and, you know, a lot of opportunities to improve that number for the Bears. So I'm going to have a lot of eyes on him. What do the Bears do in the red zone? And I think another thing is, is Matt Irfus going to be aggressive, you know, with the decisions in the red zone? Are the Bears going to go for it on fourth down sometimes? Because that changes the play calling and scheming in the red zone. If you know your offense is going to be going for it on the fourth down versus, all right, if we don't get this in three, we're kicking a field goal here. Are we going to rely on Cairo Santos? Um there needs to be a better plan overall with what the Bears are doing in the red zone. You can't just force it to a Jimmy Graham-type player two or three times and hope and pray something works. You can run the ball, obviously. The Bears did that, and shockingly, it works, but you're not going to be able to do that every single time. And speaking of a Jimmy Graham-type player, is Cole Komet going to be an option in the red zone this year? He's got a huge responsibility on his hands now that he is not only – I mean, again, he was a tight end one last year, but – this is a huge year for him. This is a prove-it year for him. And the tight end depth behind Komet is a lot of older players that, yeah, could potentially be options, like a player like Ryan Griffin. But I see Komet hopefully potentially taking that role for the Bears in 2022. So, again, if the Bears can't score when it's the easiest, they're going to struggle like they did in 2021, and it's going to be an absolute disaster. They need to be able to score in the red zone this year, even if it's just run the football four times and put it in your playmaker's hands. And if you've been following along with what's been going on OTAs at Hallis Hall, this was one of those things that Matt Eberflus talked about in his press conference on Tuesday, May 24th, just discussing the fact that the Bears worked on a lot of situational football today, some red zone stuff, a lot of 
situations where it was first, second, third down. It was first and shorts. Well, you know, really second and short, third and short, third and medium, third and long, all those types of situations. And that's certainly important because we have to be honest with ourselves about something is that the Bears absolutely sucked in situational football when it came to the offensive side of the ball in 2019 in 2020 and then in 2021 and I will say the saving grace in 19 and 20 was that Pro Bowl caliber defense that elite championship level defense that basically made the Bears relevant but I also have to add this in is that as soon as Khalil Mack went down and I think that outside of Mack even going down you saw points in 2021 where the Bears defense was getting to a breaking point and it just could not hold down the fort any longer and the only real legitimate presence on defense especially in the front seven was none other than Roquan Smith so for me I think you know your factor about the red zone offense is certainly so valid because there's two commonalities that exist between all these teams that are able to operate efficiently in the red zone one they're some of the best offenses in the nfl but number two they're able to score in the red zone whether it's in the air or on the ground and scoring in the air is arguably more important specifically because you are dealing with what is a pass happy league now for me the one factor outside of the field slash mooney connection i think is going to define the bears offense in 2022 is without a doubt one of the bears free agent signings this offseason i think that lucas patrick when you look at him just as a player overall he is somebody that is gonna be a dark horse candidate to win bears mvp this year because i've said this multiple times the perfect word to describe the bears is uncertainty going into 2022 and you know what this is a bit of a generic argument but what happens during the first few weeks of training camp is going to go a long way towards determining what the offensive line looks like that much we can agree on but I think when you have a player like Lucas Patrick on the roster who's been basically guaranteed the center position I think that it's Lucas Patrick's to lose at this point that there's so much that goes into it because you're dealing with who plays left tackle, right tackle, right guard, left guard. But we also have to really understand something is that having a good veteran presence at center that knows your offense is one of the most underrated commodities in the NFL. Because the reality is this, is that whatever you think about Oil and Crutes, who, again, is a giant Sam Mustafer fanboy, the reality is that Oil and Crutes left town nearly 10 or 11 years ago. And the Bears have kind of cycled through center after center after center. We first thought it was going to be Horonis Grasso in 2015. Wasn't Grasso at all. Then we thought it was going to be Cody Whitehair. But Cody is, let's just be honest, just, just better suited to play left guard. He does not have that power needed or the smarts needed to go ahead and play center and so ultimately i think that lucas patrick can be that guy specifically because he's going to do two things one he's familiar with luke getsy and the offense that's going to be run coming in from green bay but then number two i think that patrick's presence essentially helps speed up the entire learning process one for the entire offensive line as a whole two for the offense but then three and i think this is the biggest thing of all but for the development of justin fields yeah talked about it earlier uh continuity is a huge thing uh like i mentioned um patrick following uh getsky to the bears is huge 
I absolutely agree with your point. Like having a center that not only understands the offense, but can run it efficiently and, and kind of help an offensive line that just has a lot of question marks is huge. But again, this is going to be Patrick's first year playing center in the NFL. And not only that, but like stepping into a starting role. And you know me, I'm a former center. I know Max is a, is a center, huge center fan. Um, but it's a very important position, arguably the most important position on the offensive line. You could probably argue left tackle, but we don't need to go into that argument. Um, so it's going to be huge there. I honestly think you could take that point and take his name out and insert any of the players on the offensive line who are placeholder starters right now and have the exact same conversation um, just with a different position. I Again, I think the offensive line this year is very unproven. They're still not even a real set right guard right now. And I would even argue that left tackle isn't fully established right now, although I know a lot of Bears fans believe in Larry Borum. I hope Larry Borum is the left tackle for the Bears. But again, I still think it's very unproven and very unsure right now. I think really the only position that is solidified is probably Patrick at center and Cody White here probably at left guard. We'll see. Um, So again, I think you can make this conversation for all the offensive linemen positions and the group as a whole. Um, if the Bears' offensive line can be anything better than they were in 2021, um, this offense could be surprisingly solid. So I have to ask you this because you mentioned the names Larry Borm and Tevin Jenkins. I mean, I don't know if you saw the tidbit today, but Tevin basically admitted that he was starting at right tackle. What do you think of all that? Because a lot of people coming out of the NFL draft in 2021 coming out of college had Tevin Jenkins rated as a pure left tackle. But when the bears were able to trade up from 53 to 39 to even grab Tevin Jenkins in the 2021 NFL draft, there was a, a lot of people were shocked because it was a top 20 player on the board. But then also you add in this factor, which I think is just the fact that the bears basically drafted Tevin Jenkins and then released Charles Leno jr. A couple days later. Right? So I think what this, what you're seeing is the fact that Ryan Poles recognizes it's just Tevin's more natural fit is going to be right tackle more than left tackle. And I think this organization recognizes it too. But I also have to say there's a bit of an intrigue here in this whole situation because a lot of the extensive tape the Bears organization has on Larry Borum last year does come at left tackle. And so now you wonder what exactly is really playing a role in what Jenkins and Borum are doing here at OTAs. Is it the tape from last year, or is it the fact that this is a coaching staff that's just trying to see what they have in both these offensive linemen? I hope it's a little bit of both. Um, In all honesty, the fact that both guys were able to play um, last season, I think really helps, especially Borum um, as a fifth round pick. Like there's no guarantee how long you're going to be able to stay on a team, let alone um, as a starter. Um, and I think for Tevin Jenkins, I-, I love the fit at right tackle. I think he was always more of an ideal fit at right tackle. It, it truly kind of felt like the Bears were addressing a positional need because they had to cut Charles Leonard Jr. just because of the salary cap reasons and being like, all right, well, Tevin Jenkins can just be in the, the plug-in to kind of be the solution there. And, and I think he's going to be a very good player. I'm very excited to see if he can get a full season under his belt. Um, because the the potential is really there. I'm really excited to see him, especially at right tackle, because I just think that's more of a suitable fit for him uh, coming out of college. Again, I loved the pick last year. I didn't love him being the right, you know, I thought he was going to be right our right tackle to replace, um, oh my gosh, his name, uh, Bobby Massey. But 
that was clearly not in the Bears' plan. So I like this switch. Um, I don't know. I, I think part of it, too, is the Bears just don't really have a lot of other great options right now. Honestly, if you look at the roster, the, the tackle depth, the options behind Borum and Jenkins are not amazing. And obviously that's okay. But again, to kind of answer your question again and, and wrap up this point, I think it's partially because both players have tape. So the Bears, you know, the Bears' new regime kind of knows at least like, hey, these guys can play NFL football. Let's see if they can play, be you know, long-term pieces. But also I think it's just like these are probably our best two options right now, but let's actually see if that's the case. Or are we going to be picking up a Jason Peters-type player come August who's fishing on a boat? Um, so we'll see. But obviously very optimistic, um, but cautiously optimistic. Okay, so you mentioned Jason Peters, which just brings up another follow-up question. So you did this to yourself, but look, the Bears drafted multiple offensive linemen, guys like Braxton Jones, Jetty Ray Carter, and Doug Kramer's in there, Zachary Thomas. And in a way, this is a terrible question to ask, but I also think you have to ask it. If you put your GM shoes on and your GM hat on, let's just say Borum and Jenkins struggle. Are you going ahead and benching one of them to let a guy like a Braxton Jones or a Jatir Ray Carter or Jatir Carter, I believe is his name. Are you letting one of those guys take reps in an actual NFL game? Or are you just kind of saying, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and see what's out on the street and bring that person in. Uh, I think a lot of the answer to my question for this question uh, will depend on how training camp goes. I think of all the offensive linemen that were drafted, I I think the player with the best shot of playing some reps this year is probably Braxton Jones. Um, But again, I I can't give like a surefire answer because I don't know if any of these four guys can play um, at all. Again, it's nice to have four rookie offensive linemen, but are these going to be four rookie offensive linemen that two of them don't even make the act of 53 and two of them never see a snap until maybe the second half of the season? Or is is a Braxton Jones going to shock the world and, and be the Bears' starting left tackle come week one and beat out a Larry Borum? Or you know is is a Zach Thomas going to be the surprising Trey Smith 2.0 that that makes the starting offensive line at right guard, which a lot of Bears fans want to happen, but I don't think he's there yet. So that's an entirely different conversation. So the best way to answer your question is we'll have to see come August. I, I think the Bears are not done addressing this offensive line. I think there's going to be really good players made available when the active 53-man rosters are announced. Um, the Bears have gotten really good players in the past waiting until August um, and early September. So we'll see. That's the best way I can answer that question because it's May. I don't have a great answer. I don't know if – I mean, obviously, the only two rookies right now that I think are surefire starters are Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker. And I think, again – it's a lot easier, I think, to evaluate those two right now in these sort of no pads, seven-on-seven minicamp style practices versus offensive linemen. Get the pads on, we can start having that conversation. But don't have a great answer for you with that. See, and I'm going to throw this out there. I would personally go ahead and bench Jenkins or Porum in favor of one of these guys if the first two struggle. And the reason I say that is because I don't, what I don't want to happen is this is talking about in the short term or long term. In the short term, you're just trying to see what a player like a Braxton Jones can do. Okay, that much we can agree on. 
But also in the long term, I think the reality of the situation comes down to the fact that if you give Jones these reps in 2022, you have such a major advantage going into the 2023 offseason where you can focus on what he did well, what he struggled with, and just his development overall instead of just looking at him as another depth piece to basically go ahead and compete for the job or even a spot on the roster. And so that's why I think if Bourne and Jenkins struggle, you can bet your boots I'm going with one of these rookie offensive linemen because those guys may get tossed around their first season. But let's be honest, none of these offensive linemen were perfect in year one anyway. And I also think that you have to operate on what's best for the franchise long term. And if you trade down five times like the Bears did on day three and go ahead and draft one of these players... You better give them a fair chance to start because that was basically Ryan Pohl's statement in terms of what we have right now in the offensive line is good, but we don't think it's good enough in terms of starters, in terms of depth pieces. So let's light a fire under these guys. Forgetting about Ryan Poles for just a second here. I mean, let's take it back to the Ryan Pace era though, Sam, because there's still a handful of Ryan Pace players on this roster, but what player do you think was drafted by Ryan Pace or acquired via trade or free agency that needs to prove themselves in 2022? A uh, name that has circulated around Bears Twitter a little bit today, cornerback uh, Jalen Johnson. Um, I honestly wrote down like 20 names for this because I think there's a lot of players and I don't want to take the obvious ones with like Justin Fields, Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, um, Tevin Jenkins, etc. Um, but Jalen Johnson, um, I think, the, you know, the reports came out. Johnson was running with the twos. Um, they were saying it was kind of just a conditioning thing. And then Eberflus was pretty positive about him after practice, but kind of said, you know, we're, we're expecting a lot from Johnson. And I think that it's totally fair. He's a third year corner. I think he had a solid 2021 season, but I think he left a lot to prove in 2021. This is a huge third year for him for kind of a few reasons. Uh, Number one, you're looking at an improved secondary overall. I think the bears did a great job addressing the secondary this year. And I think ultimately Johnson is kind of one of those, okay, this is going to work if you're going to be the guy and can be our cornerback one. I think number two, I think Matt Eberflus is going to be kind of keeping eyes on him. I think he likes what he has in Kyler Gordon, but does he like what he have in Kyler Gordon and Jalen Johnson? And number three, if, you know, come 2023, 2024, if, you know, when Jalen Johnson's ready to hit that next contract, if he wants a Jahir Alexander kind of contract or, or big name, money name, big money uh, when it comes to the quarterback market, you want top money, man, you got to earn it. You got to prove that you can be this guy because the NFC North, you're looking at the wide receivers in the NFC North, you know, I think the Vikings still obviously have that Adam Thielen, um, Justin Jefferson duo, but there's no more Devontae Adams. Uh, if you're going to be getting beat by guys like a rookie Jamison Williams or Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, you know, the conversation's got to be, are you a long-term piece? But if you can prove that you're the quarterback one in a new scheme where um, the Bears desperately need a quarterback one and the depth behind you isn't great, then I think that all eyes are going to kind of be on you on the defensive side of the ball, honestly. And I'm really excited. He's Jalen Johnson's a player. I was super high on him as soon as he got drafted. I think the shoulder injury is the only reason why he wasn't a first-round pick. I'm super pumped to see what he does in year three, especially with Gordon opposite of him. And, again, the secondary, I think, is going to be much better than they were in 2021. Then Johnson's going to be a huge part of that. So I know you saw the news saying that Jalen Johnson was running with the twos today. Now, I tweeted this from the Fireside Bears Twitter account where I said, hey, listen, before anyone in the national media starts the narrative, no Johnson practicing with the twos for one practice does not mean that he's going to be 
on his way out in Chicago, which I think is about as true as it gets, because I could totally see someone in the national media pushing out that sort of narrative. Ultimately, I think what this comes down to is this, is the fact that Jalen Johnson is a great player. He's really good in coverage, whether it's man or zone. He's great in run support. He's a hard hitter too. Physical imposes presence. Best thing of all, though, he's got those incredibly long and lengthy arms. And there were times last season where you go back and you watch the film and you basically saw Jalen Johnson running the routes with the wide receivers. So from that sense, he's just an incredibly smart and instinctive player. But with that said, I don't think Jalen has much to necessarily prove in 2022 just because we've seen what he is. I still think that the only quote-unquote room for improvement is obviously him going ahead and him becoming more efficient in terms of an effective, in terms of generating takeaways, creating takeaways, coming up with the football, getting interceptions. I mean, he's only got one forced fumble and one interception in his entire career, but that's also because the Bears secondary was so bad last season that they were basically forcing him to play in coverage on so many different occasions and stop the pass rather than actually focus on generating takeaways. But with Gordon Brisker in the fold, I think that that really matters now because the Bears are going to be able to do so. Now, you mentioned Jalen Johnson at DB. I'm going to stick with another defensive back I think the one player who's got more to prove than anyone on the Bears in 2022 is without a doubt Eddie Jackson and I say Eddie Jackson simply because he had that monster year in 2018 19 was pretty good 2020 and 21 really fell off we really don't know what happened obviously really went ahead and really struggled in coverage but the reality I think of the situation is that Eddie Jackson's facing a crossroads right you're looking at one of the new players in the safety room is Jaquan Brisker, who I think is going to provide a lot of versatility in terms of the sorts of coverages the Bears call and where Brisker plays. But I also think that when you look at Eddie Jackson as a player, he's had two down years. The question is, can he rebound with a new coaching staff and a fresh start and a defense that's catered to his strengths? Because he is going to be your kind of long rangey safety that's playing in those cover one situations. So Ultimately, you know, when you look at Eddie Jackson overall, I mean, he is one player that I think has more to prove than anyone, especially because he's going to be evaluated through a fresh set of eyes. Yeah, I would consider his contract a one-year prove-it deal pretty much because if he fails to prove it this year, the Bears are just going to get out of his contract next year. Um, I really hope Eddie Jackson can be that safety from 2018 or at least a, a version of it. Um, when he's playing at you know the way he's able to play and, and playing in a position where he's most comfortable and can make the most plays, it, it, teams respect him, teams will not throw to him, and especially with a young safety next to him with some finally some consistency there. I think, you know, sky's the limit for him. I absolutely agree with you. I think both these guys have a huge, huge year coming for him in terms of, all right, are you going to be able to be a part of what we're trying to build here in Chicago? I like that pick. And so I will say this, you know, Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson, two names, but ultimately on the offensive side of the ball, there's only really one name that comes to mind. And I think it's either Cody White here or Cole Clement. And again, you know, I want to start with Cody first because, Cody, let's be honest, he was the face of the, he was basically the unprecedented leader of the Bears offensive line after Kyle Long retired. And just, Cody's been in the league since 2016. He's going into year seven at this point, I believe. 
So as I kind of get my thoughts back here together, I think that what needs to be said is just the simple fact that Cody played much better when Kyle Long was on the offensive line, if we're going to be honest with ourselves. And so Cody White here is another legitimate name that has to prove himself. But then also another player I think is Cole Komet, because if you're Cole Komet, obviously said today Justin Fields is a beautiful deep ball. But also... If you're the Bears right now, you're looking at Cole Komet and you're asking yourself, is he really a legitimate fit into the kind of scheme we're running? Yes, he is. No, he isn't. Could we look to replace him next offseason via the NFL draft, if possible at all, with a more legitimate receiving threat and a dynamic receiver at the tight end position that can both play on the line of scrimmage but also line up in the slot? So, Really, you know, it's slim pickings here because you could name someone such as Travis Gibson, but I also think that Travis Gibson went ahead and proved more than enough people wrong last year, especially having to fill in halfway through the year with the injury to Khalil Mack. I think all those guys are great mentions here. Um, again, I think Cole Komet is a pretty criticized player. I think the expectations for him are always high. Um, this is going to be a huge third year for him. Uh, I think Cody Whitehair is probably past the the prime of his play, um, but we'll see if maybe this new offensive line and a new kind of sort of scheme will, will help improve his play again. Um, Travis Gibson, I think, is in a really good position to, to kind of break out in year three. Um, but, you know, I think it's a lot of what ifs and we'll see. And, and ultimately, you know, here's to hoping that some of these pieces from Ryan Pace end up being huge factors this year and, and maybe beyond this year. So um, lots of names that you could throw into the mix here. Um, but ultimately, I like I like those three names as well as potential options. Just saying, I can't wait for the narrative and the memes that come out, as well as the gifts when Cole Komet is able to walk to the new stadium in Arlington Heights, because that's literally where his family's based out of. And I'm pretty sure I'm giving you ideas a couple of years too early. But listen, I mean, we talked a lot on this show, right, about just what's happening with the Bears, what's happening with all the players. I think for once we need to switch over to the head coach and ask this, just what are your realistic expectations for Matt Eberflus as a head coach going into year one? Honestly, they're not very high because we're coming off of a, you know, going from Matt Nagy, who was coach of the year, to basically being run out of Chicago. I think it's hard to kind of set super high expectations because this roster's young. It's full of potential, full of untapped talent, but it's also lacking in talent in a lot of areas. Um, so I think realistically, I'm hoping to see a lot from the defense. Again, I think Eberflus and Al Williams are going to be a great duo there on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I'm hoping for more turnovers this year. Um, and I really hope he just kind of keeps his word about the offense, letting things run through Getsky, um, with kind of him just making more of kind of coaching decisions. Um, honestly, it, it's hard to really add anything else there. It's, it's year one. Um, you know, I'm hoping the bears are able to shock, uh, shock the world this year and maybe get a win or two that people aren't expecting. Um, I'm hoping that they can win the games that they should be able to win like teams against like the lions and the Falcons. Um, but we'll see, honestly, there's really not a whole lot else. I, I think managing my expectations for Eberflus year one. Um, if I hear him say, explain the wise once I want him gone. Uh, but other than that, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to really add anything else. Again, I feel like my expectations are so low at this point just because of what we had the past kind of four to five years. So um, 
anything better than what we had in 2021. I guess that's the best way to wrap that up. Yeah, I would say this. In terms of the explain the whys, it depends on all what context we're talking about the whole concept of explaining the whys, right? Context is certainly important in anything. And I think the Roquan Smith rumors and situation kind of talk about that. But I'm going to say this is that my basic expectations for him are just can Matt Eberflus have the Bears playing sound fundamental discipline football and what i mean by that more so is that being flashy and explosive is great but if you're not doing the basic things the right way it can cost you more than people are willing to imagine and sometimes even the best of the best end up deviating from the basics and it hurts them like look at patrick mahomes in the AFC wildcard game, or it might have been the AFC championship game against the Bills or the Bengals, right? Went ahead and basically the Chiefs were in a position to win the game, fumbles the ball because he was trying to do too much when he should have gotten rid of it or should have run it in or just thrown it away to save some time. And all of a sudden he takes like a 40-yard sack, which then kind of sets the Chiefs out of field goal range, right? So I think the point I'm making more so is that Eberflus talks about the hits principle so much, but you also have to keep in mind that can just see get this entire offense. And really, I think it's the offense more than the defense to be playing good, sound, situational and fundamental football. It's like, can they hone in on the details and do all the little things right in an effort to kind of collectively build the unit? Because I think that if you can make that a part of your core teaching philosophy as a head coach, what's going to happen is as the season goes on, you're going to be able to see inklings of progress. And I think for this team, listen, the 2019 season was so interesting because in 2019, the Bears were coming off a great year with a defense, but a mediocre offense. And everybody kind of expected the entire offense to take that next step forward and unfortunately having an offensive head coach I think that our expectations were all unrealistic because we wanted the whole thing in one bite we didn't necessarily understand that for the Bears it would be better under Getsy as well as Eberflus in 2022 now that week by week we just see some sort of improvement not compared to this team basically taking a giant step forward. Now, obviously, taking a giant step forward is also great, but sometimes it's the baby steps that matter because slow and steady wins the race. Yeah, um, I I definitely agree with kind of the the disciplinary side of things because I just felt like there was a lot of times where Bears players would just do dumb things in games, and it's like, who's coaching these guys? I get they're adults, but, like, come on now. Um Again, I'm, I'm hoping for a bit of a culture change, um, kind of just getting away from what Nagy and Pace brought. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's definitely, again, just to kind of reiterate my point, my expectations are so low at this point that anything that he does that's the bare minimum is going to feel like he's doing the most for this team. Um, but I am really excited to, to kind of see what Eberflus um, does because – if he messes up early, are Bears fans going to get on him early? You know, I'm really curious to see how the Bears community reacts to both the good and bad from Eberflus because there's going to be some growing pains for sure. That always comes with a new head coach. I think there's going to be some growing pains, and I'm 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 not excited because like I'm going to be like, oh, this is great. I'm excited to just see the the absolutely absurd reactions when Eberflus makes a mistake because he will, and it's going to be it's going to be very funny to see some of the out outlandish responses to all of that stuff, but. Uh, 
I don't know, Matt. Your expectations for me are, are pretty low at this point. I'll set the bar higher once you once you're able to climb up there. But uh, yeah, well, I'm hoping for the best. I am certainly hoping for the best too. Hey, listen, it's been a crazy week for all of us. We're gonna go ahead and cut this show couple minutes short today we know it's usually an hour we're hoping to get the full crew back next week and then just well into the rest of the summer we're gonna start cranking out more content on youtube starting thursday videos dropping friday morning make sure you're following us on twitter youtube facebook tiktok and instagram at Flagerside bears make sure you're following myself and sam on twitter at usaid culture and at shy sports sam leave a five star rating leave a great review for us rate review subscribe to us on all podcasting platforms make sure that you are keeping it locked in here to everything fireside bears because we're going to get every single social media channel going more and more especially the tiktok and the youtube but good morning good afternoon good evening wherever you may be it's not too hot in the chicagoland area this week outside of those thunderstorms on wednesday so get out there enjoy the weather stay safe congratulations to all of you that have family friends aunts uncles kids whatever the case may be that had the opportunity to graduate high school or college over the last month or so we know it's not an easy accomplishment seeing as we've got a couple college grads on this show bear down guys have a great week we'll see you next time and peace out stay safe bear down